the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Offering affordable customization on your new home. It's Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. I'm Beckler. Back in the piss cast chair here. That's probably the longest stretch we've gone without a piss cast outside of Christmas. I know I had a few friends of the show messaging and said they were experiencing uh, podcast withdrawal here. So we're back, or at least I'm back. And it's nice to be back. I had a good extra long weekend. I did participate in that Danish drinking challenge at my buddy's place on Saturday. Uh, and it was a lot. I would say it was I would say it was too much. I was there from the camaraderie, but I probably could have done without the 15 beers. And then after that, we went to see Grandson and Monowales at the Palace. So, I mean, that on top of an already big day. And I met lots of friends of the show, even though I was in my cups, as they used to say, which isn't ideal, but it was a fantastic show, and everybody I met was, was, was great. Um, and then I just relaxed for the next three days, did nothing. And even though I kind of feel guilty doing that little sometimes you know like you feel like you should be doing something there's always like a project or something that needs to be fixed or cleaned and I have a hard time just like laying around for three days but that's exactly what I did laid at the beach laid in my backyard spent a lot of time in the reclined position and I feel great now as it was a nice relaxing break good to be back uh Sean is back next week although this is the long weekend coming up right so yeah we got this show and two more together, and then Sean will be back after that. And I think it was a good show today. I had lots of days off to come up with interesting things to talk about, and I think we were successful. I went on a bit of a rant about uh, skyrocketing rental prices in this city. We're going to talk about which Pokemon are on which drugs. Uh, and we begin today's show with a prayer. In your name, Lord. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Amen. So I don't watch NASCAR. If you do, you would you would know this. But did you know that before every race there is a prayer? And I guess that makes sense when you consider that you know NASCAR is especially popular in the southern states, and there are a lot of uh, very religious Christian folk down there. So to start the race with a prayer, I guess makes sense. But I wasn't aware of this. This video popped up on my feed just recently in 2011 uh, at the Nashville Super Speedway. The pre-race prayer was delivered by a guy named Pastor Joe Nelms, and it's become a thing of NASCAR legend. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. And then he really gets going. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. And then by the end, he's like full Talladega Nights. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa, and my two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. <laughs> the boogity, boogity, boogity gets me. But I was like, you know, I went to a, I went to a Catholic high school, and there was prayer before lots of things. Like there was prayer before school every day. There was a prayer, you know, when I played sports, the teams would pray before we took the field. So I was thinking, I mean, we could do that here too. We could start each radio show every day with a prayer. Uh, so this will be the this will be the first one here, and maybe for authenticity, I'll do it in a southern accent too. Let's go, Lord, Lord, bless this radio program we're about to put on the air today. May the tunes slap oh so hard, Lord, and may that one song we really don't like stay buried in the bowels of the playlist. 
Lord, keep all those commutants safe today, both on the roads and on the crime train. Lord, as a host, help me to not cuss. Keep the devil's words from my lips, Lord. May my jokes fly straight and hit their mark. Lord, grant those listening the strength to handle opinions they don't agree with and help the people who might be offended by these words find a moist towelette and clean it up. In your name, Lord, boogity, boogity, boogity. Amen. Podcast. I was reading a bit about the San Francisco Giants organization in Major League Baseball. So if you've ever been to a baseball game or even watched it on TV, you've probably seen the ball boys and ball girls who sit along uh, the first and third baselines. And it's their job to field the foul balls and then they toss them into the stands and they're usually wearing like the team's uniform and stuff. Uh, and I always thought that would be kind of a cool job. So in San Francisco, they do it a little differently. It's not like teenagers that do it. It's adults and they call them ball dudes and ball dudettes and I think it's like a different fan every game and you can nominate someone and then they get the they get to play this role so the other night my Boston Red Sox were playing in San Francisco and it was an older dude like this dude he looked maybe he was maybe in his 70s this dude who was the ball the ball guy along with the ball dude I guess they'd call him along the third baseline and he interfered with a live ball like the ball was ruled fair, and he reached out and grabbed it and threw it to a fan and then like ruined the play, basically. Which you will see on occasion, and I always think has to be the absolute worst feeling in the world because then this ball do, ball boy or ball girl has to like sit there in their little chair, and you got the eyes of like the whole stadium on you, and everyone's mad because you screwed up the play. Oh, man. And if you look at like, if you look through some of the ball dudes and ball dudes, that's like there's this seems to happen somewhat often in San Francisco and then there's other you know clips of them falling down or whatever and right on their website they say ball dudes and ball dudettes must have excellent knowledge of the rules of Major League Baseball and possess the physical skills to handle the fast paced nature of the game so it seems like this guy just had a brain fart interfered with the fair ball ouch that sucks should be going out of the ballpark, Oracle Park here in beautiful San Francisco, and the Giants organization started a unique program where they allow various adult fans to field foul balls during home games. They're referred to as ball dudes and ball dudettes. As a senior citizen myself, I think it's tremendous to see older folks involved in the great game of baseball. We have seniors in the broadcast booth, in front office roles, elderly ushers and vendors, even ball boys and ball girls. And for sake, that one just interfered with the play. Jesus! Making a point on the capability of seniors, and this old balls goes and f***s up the play. You gotta be shitting me. How are us older folks supposed to get any goddamn respect when you got goofs like that messing it up? Just a reminder that on Tuesday night, that old timer will not be sitting along the baseline. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. There was a story in the news here about a month ago, and I found I'd forgotten about it, and I was going through my old notes, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was going to talk about that, about how apparently Pokemon cards are being used in the drug trade in Alberta now because they're incredibly valuable, they're difficult to trace when they're sold online, and it, apparently this happens all over the world, but it's just sort of you know, starting in Alberta now. And so the other reason that you know, a drug dealer might want to use Pokemon cards instead of, say, cash, is because the police typically aren't looking for something like Pokemon cards. If the police do a drug bust, they're looking for drugs, cash, weapons, cars, that sort of thing. Not necessarily Pokemon cards, because you kind of have to know what's worth what. Um, when I read that, I was like, well, that's too bad. Something is 
you know, as, as innocent and whimsical as Pokemon corrupted by the drug trade. I don't like that. But then I got thinking a little more. And I was like, if you were to take a list of like the most common street drugs and try to decide which Pokemon was on which drug, I think you could put together that list. So that's what I've done here. If you know your Pokemon, this is going to be fun. If you don't, this is going to be a long minute and a half, let's say. Okay, we'll start right here. Um, the most common, marijuana. I thought maybe Muck, because like if you look at him, he's straight melted. He's melted into the couch. He doesn't even have a face. He's so high. But I think our pothead is Snorlax. He's slothing in the middle of the road, and he's been eaten. He's a big boy. Mushrooms, that's got to be Paris or Parasect, as they literally have mushrooms on their back. I think Jigglypuff is on MDMA, because nobody's that happy all the time. As for cocaine, I think that's got to be Meowth, because he talks too much. He's got the gold jewelry on. You know, he's probably got a VIP list at some club or something. That's Meowth. Uh, our Boozer... One who's on the booze in Pokemon, I'm going to say Jinx, because she's all tarted up for a night on the town, you know? Uh, Chansey, now Chansey works in a hospital. She's a nurse. I suspect that she's stealing prescription medication. She's skimming off the top. Uh, Machamp is on steroids. Actually, several of the Machamp family are on steroids. If you look at Machop, I think he was just a regular gym goer, and then he started lifting with Machoke, who turned him on to steroids, and he became Machamp. Uh, GHB, that's got to be Mr. Mime. Because I feel like you have to be a really weird dude to even know where to get GHB, and no one's weirder than Mr. Mime. Uh, Metapod is on ketamine. His friends call him Ketapod. He doesn't move or speak. He has no idea what's going on. Alakazam, he's got the spoons, so I thought maybe uh, heroin. But no, I think Alakazam dabbles in the psychedelics. I'm going to say Alakazam's on LSD. If anyone's opening their third eye, it's Alakazam. Uh, Weezing, I think, smokes crack because there's two of them. Those guys work together. They're like, they work in the dish pit at like a crappy restaurant. Same shift. Uh, they're going to be fired quite soon because of the drugs. Uh, Drowsy is on ayahuasca. If you look at that Pokemon, he only wears pants. Drowsy's topless. He's dancing around. You can picture him dancing around a drum circle on a drug like ayahuasca. I've seen that before. We're going to say Drowsy's on Ayahuasca. And finally, Meth. I'm going to go with Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee because they're rail thin, they're bandaged up, they're ready to scrap. And those are uh, which Pokemon are on which street drugs. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. I got a message from a friend of mine uh, yesterday. He's only lived in Calgary for a short while, but he messaged and said that his rent just increased from $1,650 per month to $2,700 per month. Over $1,000. A 61% increase in one go. And he said, is this normal? Like, is this normal for this city? And I said, well, it wasn't until just recently, but it sounds like, yeah, that is kind of more and more normal all the time now. That's nuts. Like, most people are not in a position to absorb an extra $1,050 per month in expenses. That's a lot. And I think you're starting to see the effects of this red-hot rental market in unusual ways now. I was chatting with a friend of, a friend of the show last week. He recently moved from a four-bedroom in Queensland where he was paying, he said, uh, less than $1,500 per month to a three-bedroom in the Northeast for $2,000 per month. So we got one less bedroom for $500 more per month. 
And he said that during their search, while they were looking, there were lots of new rental listings that came on the market and there would be 50 people waiting to see them. And I know uh, Shauna just experienced this too because she just moved, she sold her place and moved into a rental. And she said the same thing from her search. She's like, everything is so expensive. It's difficult to even get in to see anything right now because everybody is looking. Or how about this? I know several couples and several in my mind is more than more than two so we're talking at least three couples several couples who are living with their ex-spouse so they got divorced but nobody can afford to move out because everything is so expensive so they're living with the person they just got divorced from some of them are dating other people but like who can afford to move out when a, a modest two-bedroom is $1,900 per month right now I was looking the other day and that seems to be kind of what you would pay for like a two bedroom. So I live in the Southeast and I was looking around there and you could still get like basement suites for, you know, $1,500 a month or so. But if you want to be above ground, any apartment, any condo, anything like that, 1900 bucks seems to be right around where it starts. It's insane. And like for the people who are renting and hope to one day own, how could you ever save for a down payment when that much money is going to rent? Like, I think we're basically at the point where if you don't have financial help coming from somewhere else, if you don't somehow come into a bunch of money for a down payment, you're hooped, right? Or if you have an exceptionally high-paying job. Otherwise, what do you do? In my in my opinion, this issue, this issue of the cost of living, specifically the, the cost of housing, is so far and above everything else that we're dealing with right now. Because it affects everybody. And it doesn't matter who you are, unless you're the ultra-wealthy, it, it's affecting you right now. And the fact that like every politician isn't talking about this issue all the time, every day, it blows my mind. And Shauna Podcast. Several people have mentioned to me, including that friend who had his rent hiked by over $1,000, that we need some sort of rent control, some sort of cap on rent increases in Calgary, which I don't believe we have anything right now. Some places do. Everything I've heard about rent control seems to point to it making the rental market even worse because it removes the incentive to provide any new rental units. Does that make sense? I don't know how true that is in theory, but that is the, the main counter argument I've heard against uh, rent caps and rent control and that sort of thing. Now, this friend suggested maybe putting some sort of cap on like the amount rent can be raised all at once so that your landlord can't jack your rent up by 61% in one go. Maybe it's like, you know, 5% a year or 10%, whatever. You know, just put, an, put a number on it that, you know, wouldn't make someone's rent jump by $1,000 overnight. Now, on the other side of things, from the landlord's perspective, I mean, many, many people who had their mortgage renewed recently have seen that their mortgage payments go through the roof as well. And I, it's tough to find sympathy for landlords these days. I, I understand that. But take the situation that like my wife and I are in, for example. So we have this place up in Edmonton, which we wanted to sell, but we couldn't because it was worth so much less than what we paid for it. So it's like, okay, well, we'd lose everything we put into this, including our down payment. And maybe some people would argue, you know what, that is the risk that you take when you're investing in property. Fair enough. But right now we're losing money on this place. Like we could be charging this tenant that we have in there quite a bit more, but we didn't want to do that. You know, we're not trying to get rich off this property. We're just trying to get back the money we put into it. So we actually lose, it's 50 or 100 bucks a month between rent and what it costs us to run this place. And that's not counting, you know, if something goes wrong and there's a repair, that's just like monthly bills. So we do lose 
a little bit of money every month on this unit. Um, but we didn't want to, you know, jack up the rent on a tenant who's been good to us so far. When this mortgage is due, which I think is in a few years, three years, two years, three years, if rates are still as high as they are, we're going to have to raise the rent on this guy or we're going to be like deep in the red every month. So what's the best way to handle a situation like that? I don't know. Again, I don't think we're not going to like take advantage of the market and try to make a huge profit off this person. We just basically want to cover the cost of, of running this place. And this is even a difficult conversation to have because I know that there are people who just despise landlords and don't think that anybody should own more than one property. Um, but with this tenant, for for example, this person doesn't want to own a place. You know, the, the transient nature of their job means that renting is the best option for them, which is a position that I've been in in my life too. I wasn't ready to, to purchase a house until fairly re recently. Not everybody wants to be an owner, so who's going to provide those rentals? Should it be the government? Should it be a private citizen? Should it be a company? It's hard to say, but this is just a, a different perspective on the uh, rental increases that we're seeing. I definitely feel for renters right now, which is why if I were running for political office, that's basically all I'd be talking about is the cost of living. Anyway, if you are prepared to buy a house or to build a house, Shane Homes has plenty of options for you worth checking out. We've talked about their affordable customization because if you're going to you know, shell out for a house, you want it to be perfect. You want it to be exactly the house that you want. If you can make that happen within your budget, how fantastic is that? I mean, they also have options. They have paired homes. They have lane homes. I don't like the term starter home. I don't think Shane Holmes uses that term as far as I know, but I've never liked the term starter home because it implies that the house, like, isn't quite good enough. You know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's a nice place to start, but really you should be wanting more. How do you know that the person needs any more than that? Maybe what you consider to be a starter home is exactly what this family was, maybe this is what they were working towards. Maybe this is their dream home. So I've always found the term starter home a little bit condescending, which is why I won't say it. But Shane Holmes does have options for you at different budgets. And you just got to talk to them at ShaneHolmes.com. Shane Holmes, the better way to build. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. I was at Costco yesterday and something caught my eye in one of the aisles. A $45 jar of honey. Manuka honey, it's called. I'd never heard of this before, but this little jar of Manuka honey was $45. So I was like, what makes this honey so, speci so special? I went home and I looked it up. So Manuka honey, if you're unaware, it's made primarily in New Zealand by bees that pollinate the native Leptospermum scoparium bush, which is also known as a tea tree. And uh, Manuka honey makes some pretty substantial medicinal claims with all the things that it can help with if you take this Manuka honey for $45 a jar. Um, when you're when you're buying Manuka honey, you want to look for a high MGO number. That's the methyl glyoxal content. And also you want a high UMF number. That is the unique Manuka factor. This is ripe for honey snobs when Shauna comes back. There are some honey snobs out there. You know, I guess it's no different, though, how intense people can be with their maple syrup. There is an entire classification system with flavor and color and viscosity, and the, it's all controlled by the maple syrup cartel. So I guess this is no different with honey. I just didn't know any of this existed. I really thought honey was honey. You know, you got your bee made, your store brand, maybe local honey from a nearby beekeeper if you want to, you know, keep the money in the local economy, unpasteurized honey. That was the extent of my knowledge. I thought honey was a pretty simple substance. The bees eat the nectar, they yak it back up, there's your honey. Turns out some people are spending big money on honey. 
the honey made from better plants, but I mean, quite frankly, made by better bees. The bees who make my honey, my cheap honey, they're lazy, disorganized, undisciplined. Their workstations are untidy. They take long breaks. They make off-color jokes in the hive. Most of them have like a bum wing or a bum leg. They got a bad attitude. These aren't Manuka caliber bees making my honey. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. So the last show I did was on Friday before I took off for an extra long weekend. And on that show, uh, we talked about a bunch of stuff. But namely, uh, my dad made a a brief appearance. uh, And we also talked a little bit about uh, someone who offended me deeply recently by calling Gandalf from Lord of the Rings a magician. And that can be heard on our podcast if you go back. Gandalf is not a magician. He's a wizard. But anyways, I was texting with my mom on the weekend and I was asking if she heard my dad on the show because both she and my dad are big podcast listeners and she said I did hear dad and I smiled but I really laughed when you were talking about Game of Thrones you're such a nerd sometimes I wasn't talking about Game of Thrones I was talking about Lord of the Rings and now I'm offended all over again I mean there are some similarities between the two franchises for sure but the differences are just huge George R.R. R. Martin wrote a fine, a part of a fine fantasy series, I should say, before it was utterly obliterated by the last few seasons of the show version, is crapped all over it. Whereas Tolkien finished his series, and he left behind enough breadcrumbs for his son Christopher to piece together several other incredible stories. A Song of Ice and Fire is good, but the Tolkien Legendarium is without equal. None of these modern fantasy stories would even exist were it not for Tolkien. He himself drew heavily from mythology, but all fantasy that came after at least somewhat owes itself to Tolkien and his work. And I would prefer if we not confuse Tolkien with anybody else. George Tuars Martin uh, is not worthy to pack the pipe tobacco of J2R's Tolkien. The Beckler and Shana Podcast. We've got this fly in our house. He's been there for five days now, and dozens and dozens of attempts have been made on his life. He refuses to die. This is the shiftiest, most cunning fly that I've ever encountered. And at this point, I told my family, I was like, I think he's earned the right to live here. Like, he's fairly considerate for an indoor fly. He only stays in the kitchen. He doesn't land on our food during mealtime. He seems very preoccupied with the kitchen faucet. He's always on the kitchen faucet, so I don't know what's there that he likes. But he doesn't bother us while we're sleeping. I say he. I don't know if he's a he. It might be a she. I don't can't tell the difference between the sex of flies. But I said, I think at this point he is a member of the family, and I started calling him Fly Beckler. <laughs> That's one of the names that I have going right now for him. Fly Beckler, uh, Marty McFly, Flyman and Garfunkel, Flyles Davis, Flyly Cyrus, or perhaps Flyly Flyrus, I'm not sure. Brett Larva, Flyus Lindholm, Flyin' Reynolds or Flyin' Flannolds, Fly Drexler, Bill Fly the Science Fly, Pink Flyed. We got some options. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. Etymology with Shauna. No Shauna today, but uh, I'm getting still getting etymology requests, and I figured we everyone likes this segment. We can continue doing it. It's easy enough to look up the origin of a word. This is actually from my mom. She asked where the term rigmarole comes from, as in like, you know, the whole rigmarole, which means like a long and complicated process. We'll go through the whole rigmarole later. You've heard that? So this is what Merriam-Webster's English Dictionary has to say about the origin of the word rigmarole. So in the Middle Ages, the term 
Ragman referred to a game in which a player randomly selected a string attached to a roll of verses and read the selected verse. The roll was called a Ragman roll after a fictional king purported to be the author of the verses. So by the 16th century, Ragman and Ragman roll were being used figuratively to mean a list or catalog. And then those terms fell out of written use. Like people kept saying it, and then it reemerged as rigmarole, which meant a succession of confused, meaningless, or foolish statements. And then eventually it came to mean how we use it today, even though you don't really hear it that often, which refers to a complex and ritualistic procedure, the whole rigmarole. It's based on this game, though, called the Ragman Rule. Uh, I think we may be underestimating just how bored people were in the Middle Ages. Like, this game does not sound the least bit fun. Why don't you come over later, and we'll pull some scripts out at random, and if we're feeling real crazy, we might even read them. Etymology with Shauna. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Amazon has an entire like health and personal wellness section to their website, and I wandered in there yesterday. I don't even remember how, and uh, I was served up some interesting products, specifically this one. Um, this is an essential oil that's supposed to increase your height. It's like a like a growth supplement, essentially. It says Medicare height booster drops natural herbal height increasing essential oil, uh, <laughs> which I think is just total baloney. And it, it it bills itself as a natural height natural height excitant, I think. Excitant is the word. If you Google that phrase, natural height excitant, uh, nothing relevant comes up. Not even this product. So that's not a good sign. One link I clicked, I clicked redirected me to a page with dozens of photos of enormous piss weasels. So we're now in the same territory as, uh, as those types of pills here. The packaging itself is hilarious on this product. These drops that are supposed to make you taller. So it, it looks like any bottle you would get at like a supplement store, like a GNC or whatever, except it has a silhouette of a human actually getting taller. It's so simple. You know, you take the product and then you grow. What do you, th what do you think is actually in this? Like if you looked at the ingredients, what is actually in it? Is it just like straight fish oil? And they're like, yeah, this makes you taller. I mean, if you're buying this, you've already been had. So it probably doesn't really matter what's in it. And Amazon has a hot deal right now. You know, if you've been looking to add some inches in height, you can get three bottles for 15 bucks. You'd be crazy not to. One bottle is only $9, so you might as well spend that extra six, grow three times as much, three bottles. I've actually ordered several cases of this stuff for myself, uh, and I'm looking forward to finally being seven feet tall. Got about nine inches to go. But if I take enough of these drops three to five times daily, I think I will get there. At which point, I'm friggin' out of here. I'm off to play pro ball in Europe. You've been listening to the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Offering affordable customization on your new home. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative. X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have Beckler and Shauna downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later. This week on X After Hours with Mariah and Ty. Hello everyone, it's Ty. I'm the only one on the show this week, pretty much. Uh, Mariah got engaged, she's on vacation, so congrats to Mariah. Sam's on vacation right now, and I did line up a guest for us. 
It's TSM's That's Sports Man. He covers sports for us on X Afternoons with Mariah and Todd from time to time. Todd Rodman joins us. Todd, welcome to the podcast. How does it feel to be on? Oh, you know, it's great. Uh, I, I love podcasts. Um, I understand they're very popular. X After Hours. Watch the video on YouTube. Stream it wherever you get your podcasts. Or find it at x929.ca.